Hey, this is Stephen, and I want to welcome you or welcome you back to the Grove Church Podcast. For more information or to find more resources like this one, be sure to visit us at grove.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope the following message is encouraging and meaningful to your life. Well, good morning. I want to echo Allie's welcome. Welcome to the Grove. My name is Stephen, one of the pastors here, and we are so glad that you are here this morning as we kick off a brand new sermon series called Mastermind. I have been wanting to talk about the things that we're going to talk about in this series for a while because in a way it tracks kind of some work that I've been doing in my own life, some learning and growing that I've been doing over the last couple of years that has been really meaningful for me and I have a high level of confidence that if it can help someone like me, it can definitely help someone like y'all. And so for the next couple of weeks, I'm gonna ask you to think about what you think about. And in fact, we're gonna talk about how you think about what you think about. So for some of us, this is kind of a scary proposition because we've spent our entire lives creating this impenetrable barrier so people don't really know what's going on inside of our heads because if they really knew what was going on behind, you know, kind of the facade of our face, they would be really troubled by some of the thoughts that we think and the volume and the quality of some of those thoughts. And so together in the safety of numbers, we're going to kind of open that up and have a conversation about the things that we think. Because the reality is so much of our life, far more than we realize, is controlled by, impacted by, and directed by the thoughts that go on inside of our head. Now, for many of us, we don't really know why we think what we think. We just, they they just show up. It's like these little surprises or gifts that all of a sudden appear in our head. And I was like, oh, well, maybe I should do this, or wow, I never had that thought before. I don't know where that came from. Why did I just think about that in this context? And there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason about why we think what we think. And then on top of that, so much of our lives, we are just going through the motions. We do the things that we do and we feel the way we feel and we've never really questioned where all of this comes from. And the reality is, based on how our brain works, so much of who we are and how we feel and what we do is controlled by the way that we think. Now, I'm not a doctor. I don't pretend to play one on TV either. And so here is a short synopsis of how our brain works in terms of the way it develops thoughts. If any of you are doctors, you can send me an email later. I know I'm gonna get most of this wrong, but for the purposes of our conversation this morning, this is how our brain works. Our brain takes in all sorts of bits of information from the world around us through our senses, through sight and smell and touch and feel and all of those things and all of those things come into our brain. Now, what our brain does after that is it begins filtering out all of those pieces of information into two categories, noise and signals. Now, noise is stuff that doesn't seem to have any relevance to the way that we need to operate doesn't have any relevance to how we live or how we operate or what we need to think or feel or pay attention to. So our brain discards all of that. Then the rest of it, the things that it labels as signals, it keeps and processes and filters. And then what it does is it tries to decipher those signals and ascribe meaning to what it's just received. So if you're walking down the street and all of a sudden your sight, your eyes pick up on a little coiled thing in the, in the road, 
that's rattling its tail and hissing, your brain receives all of that information, processes it, and looks at it and says, danger, and then you jump back. Now, for most of us, it happens a whole lot faster than that. Some of us, we haven't had coffee this morning, we're a little slow, and so it's probably about the speed in which your brain would work. But this is how we go through our entire lives, receiving information, filtering out between noise and signals, and then ascribing meaning to the information that we receive, which then goes to the rest of our bodies to dictate action, to dictate emotion, and lastly, and most importantly, for our conversation today, to dictate our thoughts. So our thoughts are a result of the meaning that we have ascribed to the information that our brain takes in. Now, for most of us, we just assume that that's a process that happens in our body, like breathing or our heartbeat or blinking that we have no control over. But that's actually not the case. And over the last several decades, there has been a great development in the field of neuroscience in the study and the understanding of how our brain actually works. And what they've learned is something that feels new, but that is actually really, really old knowledge. And so what's always fun for me as a pastor is when I see things that the Bible says being validated and affirmed by science in the world today. That's always fun for me. And the way our brain works is one of those things. So neuroscience tells us that the quality of our thoughts determine the quality of our lives. That our thoughts have the ability and we have the ability to control our thoughts and direct them in such a way that we can control our health, our happiness, our relationships, our emotions, our physical body, all of that can be manipulated and controlled by our thoughts. 3,000 years ago, someone wrote something similar in a book called Proverbs. King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, wrote something that neuroscience is just now affirming. He said it this way, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. For as he thinks within himself, so he is. We are the product, our lives are the result, by and large, of the thoughts that we think. So, for us this morning, what do you think about? If your life, if your relationships, if your physical health and your emotions are the result of the thoughts that you think, what's the quality of the thoughts that you think? Are they positive? Are they negative? Are they troubled? Are they frantic and chaotic? Let me give you a little opportunity to do a little bit of a thought audit this morning. So, on a continuum, from anxious to peaceful, how would you score the quality of your thoughts? How would you rate them? Are you more on the anxious side? Your brain is always racing. When you lay down in bed at night, it's hard to go to sleep because you're thinking about all the things that you have to do when you get up in the morning or all the things you should probably get back up and do so that you could maybe have a little bit more peace. Or are you, are you good? Are you relaxed? Are you calm? You say, no, everything's going to be okay. I've got it. I can go to sleep. Where are you in your thoughts? Are you more anxious or are you more peaceful? What about the next one? What's the quality of your thoughts? Are they typically generally more negative? Or are they more positive? Are you a critical person? Are you always walking around 
identifying all the ways that everybody else has made mistakes, all the things that are wrong in the world. You have the spiritual gift of criticism that God has uniquely appointed you to be the sole communicator of all of the ways that we make mistakes in our lives. That seems to be a very common spiritual gift these days. Is that the quality of your thoughts or are you generally more upbeat and positive, affirming, generous in the way that you think about the world and about your relationships and even about yourself? Lastly, what about your ability to focus? Are you more distracted, jumping from one thing to the next, like a dog that sees a squirrel and you just bolt to the next thought that comes and there seems to be no ability to kind of control and manage the direction and the th process of your thoughts? Or are you, are you focused? Are you able to pay attention to the things that you need to pay attention to when you need to pay attention to them? Go ahead and pick a number for each one of those categories. Yours should look something like this. I'm not suggesting these are your numbers. These may or may not be my numbers, but you should pick numbers. And then if you wanna ruin the rest of your afternoon, go ahead and pick numbers for your significant other and share them with them after church is over. Any takers? No, nah, I didn't think so. As we begin to pay attention to and to think about the way that we think, what we realize is so much of our life is directed by our thoughts. And in fact, if you take nothing else away from this morning, I want you to remember this one thing. So if you've kind of checked out, if you're on your phone, if you're counting light bulbs in the ceiling, dial back in for 30 seconds and then you can go back to what you were doing. Your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. I'm let that soak in for a second. Repeat it one more time for emphasis. Your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So for being honest this morning, what direction are you moving in? Which way are your thoughts taking you? At work, where are your thoughts leading you? At home, which direction are your thoughts pulling you in? In your relationships, how are your thoughts determining the quality and the satisfaction that you have in your relationships? Your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And so the next question is, are you happy with where you're going? I think in a lot of ways, the way that our life and our brains operate, based on this principle, which I believe to be true, is similar to the way that you might observe people who have dogs on a leash. Now, I have a dog and I walk my dog every morning. And so this gives me a lot of opportunity to observe the way the rest of you walk your dogs. I'm a student of human behavior. That's just what happens when I'm out in the world. I'm observing, making notes, filing pieces of information away. But I notice that in general, there are kind of two ways that people walk their dogs. One way is very calm. The dog's beside them in no hurry. It's early in the morning. Everybody's taking their time. The dog's right by their side. The dog maybe smells some grass or drifts this way or drifts that way. But in general, everything is good in the world. And if you had 
to assign a value, you would say that this person is walking their dog. Others of you, you have different dogs and your dog wants to go this way and then your dog wants to go this way and then, oh, back this way. And then all of a sudden, heaven forbid, you see a rabbit and it's like, hold on because this dog is about to take you for a ride. We live the same way. Some of us, we're controlling our thoughts. We understand where we want our lives to go and how our thoughts connect to that. And so us and our thoughts, we walk along and our lives move in the direction that we choose because we are in control of our thoughts. For others of us, our dog's about to break the leash. It's running to this thing and to that thing and to this thing and then back again at this thing. And we live in such a way that our shoulder is about to come out of socket because we're just holding on for dear life, hoping that the leash doesn't break with our thoughts. Maybe this happens to you in the context of a relationship. You send that text, hoping for a response back. You kind of like this person. You hope they like you too. And you wait, you check your phone. Well, maybe, maybe they shut their phone down. Maybe it's on silent. And then a couple minutes later, you come back and check your phone again. And you're like, well, did it go through? And so then you text yourself to make sure that your phone's working because you're, you're not sure. Maybe, maybe the problem's the phone and not with them. And then you, you wait a little bit more. And then you're like, well, maybe I'll send a clever GIF. And so you send one of those along and then still no response. And it's like been six minutes and you're starting to get a little nervous. And you're like, well, why wouldn't they text back? I mean, I thought we had a good time the other night and I would expect, it seems like the polite thing to do. And so then you start to think about, well, maybe they don't like me. And you start running through all of those things and your thoughts start to take you in a new direction. You're like, well, I mean, I think the date went well. I mean, I even paid for dinner. And so you could imagine it, you'd at least text somebody back who paid for dinner. And, and it seemed like we were engaging and I mean, maybe I wore the wrong thing. Maybe I should have worn something. Maybe I should have put a blazer on when I went to dinner. Maybe it was because I was trying to be cool and wore a t-shirt and I should have dressed it up a little bit. Maybe they want somebody that's a little more sophisticated than that. And so you start to run through all of these things and then it's been eight minutes and you're like, why won't this person text me? And so you call your friend and you're like, she, ha she hasn't texted back. Why wouldn't she text back? Nobody else? Just, just, just a moment of self-confession. Okay, if you're listening, please text me back. <laughs> Maybe it's not in that context. Maybe it's a different context. But we do this, our thoughts take over our lives. And all of a sudden we're no longer in control. Because even just pretending to go through that thing with you, all of a sudden my heart starts racing a little bit and my palms are sweating and I'm having like PTSD flashbacks and maybe situations that have or have not happened in my own life and then all the therapy sessions to work through, all of that to gain control over my thoughts because it is so easy and expensive <laughs> to get control of our thoughts. But without control of our thoughts, our lives will be at the mercy and the whims of wherever our thoughts take us. And so here's the goal of the series. Here's the reason we're gonna talk about this for four weeks. Because what I want for you 
What I think God wants for us is for us to be able to have control over our thoughts and thus to be able to have control over our lives. Because for many of us, our thoughts lead us places that we wish they didn't take us. For many of us, we feel prisoner and we're just along for the ride to whichever direction our thoughts choose to go. For some of us, this is negative self-talk. We hear voice and voice and voice, script after script, tape after tape, of the reasons and why we don't deserve anything in life. We don't deserve a quality relationship. We don't deserve the promotion. We don't deserve to be happy because of the thoughts that we think. And in a way, after we think those thoughts again and again and again, we begin to believe them. And we begin to live according to the things that happen in our brain. For some of us, the quality of our relationships has been negatively impacted because we can't get a hold of our thoughts. The way that we view and perceive everybody else's actions in the world leave us feeling like we're always the victim. And so we tell ourselves that and we think those thoughts. And then we look for evidence to confirm those things. And then as we filter in that information and ascribe meaning to it that further reinforces the idea that we're the victim, we continue this pattern over and over and over again. And maybe it's not you, maybe it's somebody in your life who operates this way. And you know how frustrating it is because the way that they look at the evidence is clearly skewed and biased. And it only reinforces this one idea. But that's the way they live their lives. And that's the direction these thoughts are taking them. Imagine what could happen if you had control over your thoughts. Something enters into your head that you don't particularly enjoy or like or appreciate that wants to take you in a direction that you don't want your life to go. And you're able to say, no, that's not right. You're able to stop it, to refute it, and then put yourself back in the direction that you do want your life to go. To halt the thinking process, to change directions and to choose a new one. Imagine if you didn't ever have to put your dog on a leash. Imagine the work that it would require, but the freedom and the joy that you would experience in your own life if your dog just stayed by your side wherever you went. You could go wherever you wanted because you knew the dog was trained. You knew the dog was responsible. You knew that wherever you went, that dog was right by your side. I think, I think that would be an amazing thing to have in our lives. Imagine the quality of our relationships if we controlled how we thought about them. Imagine the quality of our work. We're not responding, we're not overreacting. We're taking in the information we're choosing the thoughts that we want to think, and then we're moving in that direction. And so for the next four weeks, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how we do this, what this looks like. And we'll gain some practical tools for truly how to control our thoughts. And to do all of this, we're going to look at one passage of Scripture, one collection in the New Testament. It's a letter written by a guy named Paul to a church in Philippi. And we're gonna spend all four weeks in this particular letter because I think this letter is unique against some of the other writings in scripture. What happens in this letter is Paul is at a place in his life where he should have lost himself to his thoughts. The experiences that he has currently found himself in, he is writing this letter from prison. 
all of the things and all the information that he's taking in should dictate that his thoughts take him in one direction. But we're gonna see over the next several weeks is that is not what happens. In fact, Paul uses a word in this book, in this letter, he uses the word joy more than any other letter or writing in the scriptures. It occurs more in this one particular letter written from a place that you would imagine that you would not have any joy in. And so we're gonna look at it to figure out, okay, Paul, how did you do this? And not surprisingly, Paul gives instruction on what this looks like and how to do it. Paul in this letter talks again and again and again, giving encouragement, giving instruction and direction to this church in Philippi about how you control your thoughts. Paul was way ahead of his time in his ability to understand the neuroscience behind the ability of your thoughts to impact your emotions and your actions, and thus the quality of your life. So we're gonna jump in and look at what Paul had to say. So we're gonna be in the first chapter of Philippians this morning. This is basically the beginning of the letter. Paul's done some kind of perfunctory greeting. Hey, I'm so glad that you're receiving this letter. Yeah, uh, what you've heard about me is true. I'm in prison. Okay, let me cut to the chase. Here's what I want you to know. Here's why, this is kind of the summary statement at the beginning of the letter. Here's why I'm writing you. This is what Paul has to say. He says, I pray, my hope is for you. What I wish in writing this is that your love will overflow more and more that your lives will be marked by a certain pattern of living and behavior. One, demonstrated with your kindness, your compassion, your generosity towards others. Here's the goal. I want you to live in a way that's loving and compassionate and caring. To follow in the pattern of Jesus. That's my goal. And here's how I think that you can do it. And so... I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. What Paul's saying here is, listen, I want you to improve the way that you think. I want you to get better at thinking and at controlling your thoughts. Because for you to get to the place that I hope for you, for you to be able to be at the place where your love overflows more and more so that you can conduct your relationships with the, with the kind of compassion and kindness that you should operate them in, you're gonna to have to change the way that you think. You're gonna to have to get control of the way that you process information and the way that you choose to live your life. So I want you to keep on growing in knowledge. I want you to keep on growing in understanding. He goes on. He says, I want you to understand what really matters. I want you to sort through all of the things that come into your brain to mark a lot of them as noise and to pick up on the signals that are truly most important. There's a lot of stuff that happens in our lives. Not all of it is important to pay attention to, but there are things that are important to pay attention to. And so I want you to develop the ability to do that. I want you to get better at your ability to filter information and to prioritize what really matters. I want you to get better at how you think about what you think about. And the reason I want you to do this is really simple. It's so that you can live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. Now, for many of us, we went, well, lost me. I don't, know, I don't know what that means. What Paul is saying is really simple. Your thoughts are connected to your actions. The so that 
means that this is connected to this. I want you to understand what really matters so that you can live. What Paul recognizes is the way that we think impacts our emotions and the way that we feel. And the way that we think and the way that we feel impact the way that we choose to act. And Paul wants us to act in a very specific way. He uses the language of pure and blameless lives. For us, we probably don't talk in that way very often. But we all have a version of ourselves that we aspire to be like. A version of ourselves that we measure ourselves against. And for many of us, we have criticisms about our current behavior based on our preferred and ideal behavior. These ideas of being compassionate, generous, open-handed, patient, loving, trusting, secure in our relationships emotionally. All of these things, all of these ways that we aspire to be the best version of ourselves, Paul is saying, listen, if you want to achieve that, which I hope that you do, the only way that you're going to get closer to that is if you're able to change the way that you think. If you're able to prioritize certain thoughts over others and begin to gain control over the way that your brain processes and thinks. And then he goes on and he says this. I want you to change the way that you think so that you can change the way that you live so that you will always be filled with righteous character. Because Paul understands how the whole loop works. Your thoughts, they impact your emotions. Your emotions impact your actions. And the actions that get repeated most become your character. So that's why this matters. Paul understands that at the very beginning of this process, it's not about changing our character. That's not where he starts. He says, no, 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 we gotta go back to the very beginning of how this all happens, to the very first part of this system. And it begins with the way that we think. Paul recognizes that if we wanna impact our emotions and our behavior and thus our character, who we truly are, it all starts with our thoughts. Because Paul knew that your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And so if you have a specific destination in which you want your life to move towards, the way that you get there is not with more willpower, is not with trying harder or beating yourself up when you make mistakes. The way that you move closer to that, towards this righteous character that Paul ascribes, is by changing your thoughts. The other thing that Paul acknowledges is that we're not doing this by ourselves. God is at work in our lives also helping this process. If this was only up to us, we wouldn't need God. But it's not up to just us, and we do need God. And so Paul says that it's a two-part process. One, it involves with examining your thoughts, identifying how they impact your lives, looking at the quality of your thoughts, the quantity of your thoughts, and beginning to take control to shift them in a different direction so that your emotions, your actions, and your character follow suit. And God's at work in your life. Now, this would all be well and good if we stopped here, but this isn't where it stops. Because Paul doesn't just want us to change to become the best versions of ourselves for the sake of us being the best versions of ourselves. And that's not what I want for us either. There is a reason why the way that we act and live matters. 
and thus a reason why the way we think matters. And Paul says it here. He says, for this, this change, this ability to take control of your thoughts so that you can take control of your emotions, so that you can choose different actions, so that you can have a righteous character, all of this matters because this is how other people come to know God. It is really simple. Your life does not exist just for you. Your life exists so that others can see God at work in you and be drawn to that same God. Paul says, here's the whole thing. This is why we're here. So that we can live in such a way that other people see God at work in us and want God to be at work in them too. And the only way that they will see God at work in our lives is if we have righteous character. And the only way that we're gonna have righteous character in our lives is if we have the actions that reinforce that character. And the only way that we're gonna have actions that reinforce that righteous character is if we have the proper emotions surrounding our actions. And the only way we get there is by taking control of how we think. So, how do we do that? How do we begin to take control of the things that we think? It is really simple. It is clear and it's highly intuitive. And you'll have to come back next week. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you. But what I do want you to do this morning and the rest of this week, before you come back next week to learn how you take control of your thoughts is one simple thing. This week, I want you to think about what you think about. You don't have to do anything with the information just to observe it, just to watch it, just to pay attention to the thoughts that come into your head. I don't need you to tug on the leash yet. I don't need you to snap it. I don't need you to do any of those things. I just need you to watch where your thoughts go. Pay attention to the quantity and the quality of your thoughts. Do you find that this week that most of your thoughts are anxious, worried, frenetic? Or no, I've actually had quite a few peaceful thoughts. I feel pretty positive about things. I'm responding in positive manners or are you a little more negative? Or are your thoughts taking you every which way? Squirrels all over the place and you're like, I just, I'm so unfocused right now. I don't need you to do anything with it. Just pay attention. And then when you show up next week, we'll tell you how to change it. Let me pray for our time together this morning. God, thank you. Thank you for this time, for this opportunity to come in this place together to learn about how we can live in a different way so that we point others to you. God, it is hard to take control of our thoughts, especially when we didn't even realize that that was something that we could, could do. So God, this week, just help us pay attention. Help us to think about how we think and to analyze and to monitor and to watch our thoughts so that we can begin the process of gaining control over our thoughts and thus control over our actions and thus our ability to better point people to you. God, we thank you for this time and we are grateful for your love for us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you live in the Dallas area, we would love for you to visit us. For directions, service times, and more info, visit us at grove.org.